It's so good to see you all this morning and I love that puppet doing that. I just loved it. It was great. Probably because I'm a big kid at heart and it really speaks to me. Well, this morning we're having a corporate prayer. I've kind of been a bit sneaky and I've worked in the, um, the, hip, the, the, the main prayer that we all pray. I've kind of snuck it in there, the Lord's Prayer is what I'm trying to say. So let's pray. You are most worthy of our praise. You are a compassionate God and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. You are our hiding place and you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. Please be with those who are experiencing trouble in whatever form that may take and let them have a deep sense of your presence. Heavenly Father, we praise your great and wonderful name. Your name and your word are exalted above all things. We thank you for choosing us to be part of your kingdom, an eternal kingdom without end. What a joy that day will bring when we see the fulfillment of all your kingdom promises. When we will see the heavenly Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, when the dwelling of you, our God, is with us, when you will live with us and we will be your people forever. We look forward to that time when there will be no more sickness and death or mourning nor pain. Your will will be truly done on earth as in heaven. We thank you for your daily provisions of of the food we eat, the homes we live in, and all that you provide to sustain us in life. Help us to not put our hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but help us to put our hope in you, for you richly provide us with everything for our enjoyment. Father, we ask that you forgive us our sins, those things that, those things that, that hurt you, and displease you, and do not honour you. Forgive us and help us to be overcomers in the power of your Spirit. We cannot expect our sins to be forgiven if we do not forgive those who sin against us. God, God, please give us compassion and a willing spirit to forgive our fellow man. Help us to be peacemakers and to let go of any grudges we may hold towards others. We also ask that you deliver us from temptation and protect us from the wiles of the enemy. Above all, we thank you for our Lord Jesus. We can never fully understand the cost of the sacrifice of your dear Son, to understand the pain and suffering inflicted upon him so that we may live. It speaks to us of your incredible love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us and redeemed us from any penalty for our own sin. We are so thankful. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We are eternally grateful, and in Jesus' name we pray. Yes, you've heard my sermon title. 
a good God rules, God's good rules. Now, to tell you the truth, after seeing that kid's video, the puppet has shared everything that I'm going to. <laughs> I don't know that I need to go on to tell you the truth, but maybe we'll underline the good things that he said. Another title could be A Glorious God, God's Glorious Guidance, or Two Foundational Facts. Now, I think that uh, what I'm going to share, you probably all know. I don't know that you're going to hear anything new today, but I do hope that the things I share will encourage us all in our faith. So how did this sermon begin? I was thinking about how God, Jesus, the Bible and church is not on the radar of so many people and community at large. Belief in God and living the God-pleasing and Christ-honouring lifestyle is no longer the priority of so many. Christmas solidified my thinking. For so many Christmases, simply about Santa Claus, I refuse to call him Father Christmas, lights, Christmas trees, reindeers, gifts, parties, food and holidays. Christ is not honoured or even thought about by so many. Now, my uh, thoughts were confirmed when I walked around uh, Avoca Beach on the central coast of New South Wales and then uh, around Bronte and Waverley in Sydney as I went across with Narina to visit my granddaughters and grandsons. I saw blow-up sanders and reindeers on so many verandas on balconies, lights in front of gardens, Christmas trees, decorations, only one light display was about the nativity scene. I went to the man in his house and I said, I so like the nativity scene that you put in lights. He said, I'm a Christian. I know what Christmas is about. So back to everyday normal. I get the advertiser delivered every day. Its pages are filled with politics, fashion, sports, celebrities, robberies, fights and world troubles. The only page that God and his ways are mentioned is in the death notices. Isn't it interesting that when death comes our way, so did thoughts about God and the hope of life after death and the value and blessing of human life. Here's some stats that I've read that indicate the church in the Western nation is in decline in terms of people numbers. In USA, in 1970, 50 years ago, 90% of the people said they were Christians. In 2020, only 64%. The estimated projection is it will be down to 35 by 2070. Why? People said they've just lost interest. In Australia in 1991, weekly church attendance was 1,900,000. In 2016, 1,650,000, down by 350,000 despite our population increase. Well, God is saddened but not surprised. God is well aware of the way of the world. 
Jesus said in speaking about his second coming, we go to Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. That means people just living without God and any knowledge of his plan for the planet and its people. That's how it's becoming. More specifically, 2 Timothy 3. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, always learning but never able to come, uh, able to acknowledge the truth. What does that equal? Not good. Am I saying we're living in the last days before Jesus' return? Well, the truth is that Scripture refers to the time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming as the last days. So yes, we're living in the last days. But are we living in the last of the last days? I think yes. Jesus' second coming is nearer than it has ever been before. People are making their own rules and regulations, their own right and wrong. It's probably nothing new. For example, people worship other gods. Self, sport, stuff, sex, sensuality. God's rules and regulations read modesty, marriage, male and female have been given the flick. Many say God is only a myth, and if he is there, I don't need him anyway. The truth is, as Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. Let me read from David Atkins. Atkins, Atkins <laughs> I'll try again. David Atkinson's book, The Message of Genesis, under the heading Apocalypse Now. For we live in a world in which men and women continually try to overstep God-given boundaries. We may be all too willing to stand on ground which properly only belongs to the providence of God. And the effects may be literally catastrophic. God-given boundaries are being crossed. Human beings are trying to grasp at what does not belong to them and to assert that no longer are they bound by the limits which God has set. Our human sin is that we fail to recognise that God is God and we try both individually and corporately to take God's place. So why are so many people drifting away from God? Again, let scripture answer this question. We go to Ephesians 4. So tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live like the Gentiles, that's the pagans or the godless people, in the futility of their thinking. 
They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with continued lust for more. 1 John 5.19 takes us behind the scenes. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The message translation. We know that we are held firm by God. It's only the people of the world who continue in the grip of the evil one. Yes, there is an evil one, Satan, who still opposes God and gets people on side. Just one more reading from Ian Miller's book, The Lost Message of the End Times. Man in his self-determining independence makes war with God and is thereby revealed as being the weapon of oppression in the devil's hand. In failing to worship the one true God, our world worships gods of its own making. Effectively, we worship ourselves, the creators of our gods. Only the redeemed, the people of God, those with the seal of the Holy Spirit written in the Lamb's Book of Life are free from the devil's tyranny. So, the answer to the question, why are so many people drifting away from God? Selfishness, sinfulness and Satan. Now that's pretty bad and sad news and my sermon is not going to stop there. There is good news and good advice to come. God wants us to be discerning but not downcast. He wants to lift us out of sadness into a place of gladness. Another sermon subtitle could have been, God wants to guide us to glory. But let me say this, it's still not without challenge for a person to turn from what they have been living to loving God and living his way. Perhaps it's a bit like being woken up from our sleep in the morning to face the challenges of a new day in a new way. Good advice. Speak the truth in love. I'll do my best to do that right now. So first up, the logical, sensible challenge. Let's ask this question of ourselves. What is the biggest question to seek an answer to? What is the most important thing to learn about? The three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic, a good diet, history of the world, sport, what sport to follow, what team to follow, who to marry, what job to take on, where to live, how to avoid COVID. All important. But did you notice something was missing? God. There is a God. What is he like? Should I relate to him? Does he have rules that I should live by? Should I obey and build my life on his rules? You know, I believe that the God question is the standout biggest question to seek an answer to. It's the most important thing to learn about. So where do we start? God's Word, the Bible. It could be called God's Reveal Book, 
and God's rule book. The Bible reveals God to us. And the Bible is God's rule book. It's God's revelation of himself and how we should live our lives. It's not, though, the only way God reveals himself to us. He speaks to us spirit to spirit. He speaks to us through people. He speaks through his creation. Come to this scripture in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. The voice goes out into all the earth. The words to the ends of the world. Come to Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Creation is amazing. It touches our hearts. It couldn't have happened by chance. Creation reveals the heartbeat and fingerprints of God. A look at the good God that rules. We're heading towards God good rules, but I'm not wanting to put the cart before the horse. What do I mean? The thing that gives the rules their power and purpose is that they're given by a good God. Rules are essential. We're getting to that truth. But if given by someone who is not good and wise, then the rules will not be good and wise and worth obeying. Well, here we go. A quick look at who God is, the character of God. The Bible starts with these words, in the beginning God. In Hebrew, that word is El or Lohim, which means strength, might, inexhaustible fullness, supreme power. In English, the word God means supreme, being, eternal, spiritual, transcendent, infinite, the mighty one. But later on in the story, Moses was talking to God and said, who, who will I tell the Israelites, who you are. And he said, just say, I am who I am. I will be who I'll be. And then he said, I'm the Lord. In Hebrew, that word is Yahweh. Yahweh means I am who I am. And that's why we say hallelujah. Yahweh is God's name. And so when we say hallelujah, we're saying praise be to Yahweh. Hallelujah, Yahweh. bit later, no, been there. Does the unfolding revelation of God confirm these qualities? My answer is yes. God created heaven and earth. He created humankind, man and woman, in his image and likeness. And the beautiful truth is we are God's heavenly human family. He wants us to know him as our heavenly father and for us to live our lives in relationship with him. In the 39 books that make up the Old Testament, we see that God is surreal. He is at the centre of the unfolding story. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving. And God wants us to find him and know him. Here's God's decree written in the Old Testament or God's declaration. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 and 14, message translation. When you come looking for me, God says you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. So we get to the New Testament, another 27 books. 
we now see God comes into clear focus in Jesus. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, he wasn't talking about appearance. He was talking about character qualities. What were his character qualities? Love for all people, great and small. Love for children. Humility, honesty, knowledge, wisdom. And then Jesus said, if you don't believe what I'm saying, if you don't believe what I'm saying, that I'm in the Father and the Father is me, at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. We know Jesus was a miracle worker. He turned water into wine, healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead, walked on water, stopped the wind blowing, fed 5,000 people with five small loaves of bread and two small fish and a lot more. So Jesus brought God the Father into focus. He demonstrated God's love by dying for our salvation on the cross. What a miracle followed. He rose from the dead. He's alive with God the Father in heaven. He wants to be our saviour and friend. God's quality of character is summed up in these three words. 1 John 4.16, God is love. But before we look at God's laws, just a note. Yes, there's still a lot of mystery regards to God. Many questions that we can't answer. Even the Apostle Paul said, now we know in part, but, as, but we shall know fully. We shall see him face to face. The time is coming when all our questions will be answered. But is there enough revelation, enough evidence to support our faith in him? Well, we've sung it. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Got to admit, though, that uh, sometimes being an old surfer, I sing wave maker instead of waymaker. <laughs> I think uh, Adam Lohmeyer probably sings that too. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. He's made beautiful waves. Okay, so now we get to God's good rules. Knowledge of God is the most important. Knowing God's rules next in important. We could qualify that and say knowing and keeping God's rules are next important. Rules are very important. Just imagine this, Mike Stewart. A football match and the umpire is in the middle and he says, okay, guys, no rules today at all. Do what you like. The match wouldn't happen. What about if... There were no road rules. No road, road rules. Drive as you like. The result, mayhem, crash and bash. There are actually over 350 road rules in Australia. So footy rules enable the game to go and flow. Road rules enable us to drive and survive. You know, rules help and keep us safe. Even little things. Now, I know you've all done a rat test, a COVID rat test. The packets come with these rules on what to do. You know there's over 30 rules that tell us how to do it? Prepare your test space by cleaning and drying a well-lit surface such as a table. Blow your nose with a tissue and throw it away. Wash your hands thoroughly and dry them. 
and then insert the fabric tip of the swab into one nostril, about two centimetres into the nose. Now, I could go on and on. They're detailed. I wished I'd read it more carefully. I didn't put the fabric strip in my nose. I put the stick up my nose. <laughs> Wriggled it around. Oh, that hurt. Wriggled next one around. Didn't do me any good. So if we need 30 rules just to take a rat test, we may need rules on how to live. You know there are 40,000 legal propositions in the Australian law? Australian government rules and regulations are a library. And these rules and regulations designed to enable us to learn, live and love as individuals and community, as a human family. And this is where God comes in loud and clear. The good God has given good rules for living life's journey. Firstly, he's actually built them into our conscience. Come to Romans 2. Indeed, when the Gentiles, non-Christians, who do not have the law, do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences. God's actually implanted his, his moral laws into our conscience. Sadly, sin has misinformed the conscience of so many. So God has also spoken his laws to individuals, Adam, Abraham, Moses, David, Paul, to mention just a few. And laws are written into our book, the Bible. Statistics. The Bible count indicates there are 613 commandments or rules that we can read in the Old Testament and 800 in the New Testament. Actually, 1,050 times rules are mentioned in the New Testament, but when considering repetition, they can be classified to about 800. Now, I'm calling them rules. They could be called commandments, laws, regulations or advice for living on God's road of righteousness. Some rules, I'd call them foundational building blocks and others bricks to build on the foundation with. Another factor to consider, God has also prescribed different types of rules and laws. Moral laws, they reflect the nature of God. Civil rules, social life guidelines and ceremonial rules, worship and sacrificial systems. Here's an important point. We need to discern what laws are essential and lasting and what are non-essential and non-lasting. Old covenant rules, Old Testament rules versus New Testament rules. Here's some helpful advice. Old Testament ceremonial rules no longer apply. Sacrifice, synagogue and Sabbath, to mention three. Civil rules change with time and culture. Moral rules remain. John Stott says we need to discern what are essentials and cultural expressions. This change from Old Testament to New Testament does present a challenge to properly understand. Solution, read about the rules in the New Testament. Ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. Talk with a discerning Christian honestly and openly. Example of a change of rule with regards to cultural expression. 
just one, a woman was required to wear a head covering when in public worship, probably a scarf. This cultural expression is now not required. Example of a ceremonial law no longer required, it's the Saturday Sabbath, a day of rest. Come to Colossians 2. Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new mean celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The shadow represents religious ritual. Salvation is coming. The reality represents righteous relationship. Salvation has arrived. So what was the Sabbath day rest a shadow of? Because of Jesus' death on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins. We're saved from sin and its punishment. We are saved by grace, God's unmerited favour. We enter every day into a Sabbath rest. It's not just a ceremonial rest day. It's a time that we can rest in our salvation. The truth is obeying the law never resulted in salvation. Romans 3.20 Through the law we became conscious of sin. The law reveals our needs for forgiveness, cleansing, the need of salvation. This truth can then lead us to God's love, Jesus' sacrificial death, where he took the punishment for our sin and our salvation that is a gift of God's grace. So we ask the question, okay, if we're saved by grace, the law no longer applies, shall we sin that grace may abound? You know the answer. By no means. And here's the great thing. If we do sin, and we all do trip up at times, we can go to God and we're told that if we confess to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Beautiful, beautiful truth. Good reason to obey the good laws of God. They're to help, not hinder. They're to bless, not mess up our lives. They establish standards, maintain order, resolve disputes, protect liberty and rights. Come to Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the law are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. To quote David Atkinson, again from the message of Genesis, morals are laden with value because they come from the creator's hand. Okay, now the sermon wrap-up. Please don't clap. The sermon landing. We had a quick look at two important questions. Is there a God? The answer, yes, he is glorious. Are God's rules worth obeying? Are they any good? Yes, they are. However, knowing God and walking in his ways is far more than just good advice. The truth is... Without God, 
Life is written in the book of Ecclesiastes, in vanity, a vapour, a breath, without true purpose and meaning. With God, life eternal, life. Without God, life end eternal, death. With God, it's not just the beginning, never over. Without God, it's all over, Red Rover. In Jesus' words, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who's built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. My interpretation, yes, life will be filled with many challenges, but if we build our life on a relationship with God and obedience to his good rules for living, we'll make it to the other side. God's new heaven and new earth. So where do we start? The starting point. Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Matthew 22 is coming up. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. But for our heart to be filled with his love, we need to get to know God as Heavenly Father and Jesus as Saviour and Friend, to walk and talk with them along life's narrow way. And what a wonderful thing to have the Holy Spirit uh, there to guide, convict and comfort in footy language. The Holy Spirit is our coach, our umpire and our trainer. As our coach, he instructs us on how to play the game of life. As our umpire, he blows the whistle when we do something wrong, just to get our attention. And he's our trainer. He comes and comforts us and encourages us when we go down on the field. Quote, Wisdom is knowing the difference between what you have the right to do and what is right to do. You like that one? Wisdom is knowing the difference between what you have the right to do and what is right to do. Where do we get this wisdom from? We read it in James, written by Jesus' brother. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So where do we get this wisdom from? Ask God for the wisdom. Final scripture. I said that... uh, the puppet in the kids' video kind of said it all in five minutes. I've taken 25. But this scripture will say it in one. And now, O Israel, person and everyone, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord our God with all your heart and with all your soul, to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. So as we finish, back to the start. Remember we said so many people do not believe, know or follow God? And I mentioned selfishness, sinfulness and Satan as a problem. It's true, but I just want to say that there are a lot of loving, kind and caring people out there that have not been told about 
or seen the true God and Jesus in a loving and clear way. They just see religion, and that puts them off. Tell you the truth, puts me off too. I just want a relationship with a loving God and Jesus to be my saviour and friend and to walk the pathway of life with the Holy Spirit. So here's the challenge, individuals and church. Those of us who know God as Heavenly Father and Jesus as Saviour and friend have a responsibility to let our light, God's light, shine in the darkness. This responsibility, responsibility to be a light for God, it's ours individually, it's ours as a local church and the church universal. It's a good challenge, I believe, to be reminded of and commit to as we head into a new year. I close with a prayer. God, help us as individuals and local church and church universal to represent you wisely and well. Fill us with your spirit of love, truth and grace that many people that don't know you and follow your ways be drawn into your presence. Not a religion, but a relationship with you. A loving, good and gracious God. That Jesus Christ will become a big part of their Christmas and every day between. God, please help us to speak the truth in love. Amen. Thanks for sticking with me. We're now going to sing a song that I believe speaks of what has been shared. Thanks, music team. Stand with us. us to the end of our service today and uh, thank you David and I think that last scripture really summed up that he's given them for for our own good and all his commands and all his everything the Lord speaks to us is for our own good so I pray that as you go from today whatever's in your heart that God's speaking to you in your circumstance just know that it's for your good that he is going to bless you as you follow him in all the different things going on. So pray and encourage. Had a good time. If you'd like prayer for anything, there'll be people in the prayer room. Otherwise, just join us for a chat and a hangout and have a great week. God bless.